Welcome to the Weekend Watchlist on Intercut, the weekly show going through all the movies, TV, and entertainment that people just can't cut away from. As always, I'm your co-host, Arturo Surita, and joining me to present the iPhone killer, it's Zachary <laughs> Chevy. People really like the, t the feel of the keys. You know, they like to feel the press of the buttons. I think that's what's important yeah. in, uh, in cell phones, and I'm going to stake my entire career on that. Uh, the one way to go about it, if you are a BlackBerry aficionado, I didn't realize that they like re, like purpose rebought all of the Blackberries online uh, for this movie that we're talking about. That is probably our 100% pick of the week. Uh, a movie that we yeah, caught at I mean, South by that finally came out, Blackberry. It, it's a pretty dire week outside of that, so it's a good time to seek out uh, a movie that we've been trying to hype up for the past what like month, month and a half now. Yeah, uh, I had the chance to catch it again in Chicago, where the Q&A was pretty much just a rant about Bo is Afraid. Uh, and I think more interesting than the movie has been uh, Matt Johnson's entire press run. He was, like, saying stuff about how he switched the screening from Berlin, I think, when he was at South By. He had mentioned adding, like, extra, ironically, minutes to it. Uh, he said he changed it even again, that the runtime you see on IMDb is not that runtime. Um, hmm. Zach, you got a, a shout out in his letterbox video. Did you see? <laughs> uh, I mean, it's a very brief one. He, he didn't even get to the second sentence of my review, but yeah, uh, it's, he, he did read some of my thoughts on, on Blackberry. And, uh, I mean, I, I agree that, uh, there wasn't much, much, uh, pith. I think he was looking for, for some takedowns in the, uh in the letterbox reviews that he wasn't really getting from my four and a half stars. Yeah. I like, I, he had mentioned also having one for criterion and yeah. criterion hasn't uploaded his. And I feel the reason they haven't uploaded it is because he trolled the criterion closet by only getting like <laughs> picks that they did not want him to pick. Even for the letterbox one, he's supposed to pick four, only pick three. Um, the man is probably the most interesting director working out right now because he just does not care <laughs> um in terms of uh the movie on the second watch i didn't notice too many changes this time around but uh i still think it's probably the best probably release that we've had so far this spring uh, in terms of independent movies it is also very much a movie about him and filmmaking uh he had discussed how it's really not based off the true story it is based off of these three uh, figures who are kind of like three aspects of him. Um, so I would highly recommend it. I think it's worth going out to the theater. It's worth that combo price for me. If it's at home, it's worth buying in my opinion because I have not gone back to see all of his other stuff yet. The Dirties has been on my watch list for the longest time and that's how I knew that when we went to the screening, it was just nothing but Nirvana fans, uh, Nirvana the band the show, and yeah. Dirties fans. Blackberry, I think, may be the thing that's going to put him on the map for a lot of other people. Um, who don't wear, like, headbands to screenings. So a big, <laughs> yeah, I mean, big, it's, big thumbs up for me. It's funny, but not funny in that kind of niche, almost like Adult Swim-style alternate comedy way that I think maybe rubs certain audiences the wrong way. I feel like this is a film that should have some broad appeal. And beyond just how funny it is, how funny he in particular is in it. I think it's just a really satisfying, like corporate thriller, just to see the the true rise and fall of this company and how much of it came down to like uh, a shifting in corporate culture. I think it really does a good job of kind of uh, laying out an environment and really giving you a feel for these characters and their their moral compass and how compromising those morals ended up being their downfall. There's there's a lot of really interesting stuff there beyond like oh yeah I I had the phone you know like I think it's, I think this is a really good movie I think it's one of the best we've got so far this year. You got Jerry. You got Glenn. I I think Glenn is like Titanic in this movie. It's the kind of movie that makes me think he should have been a bigger or should just be a movie star. You know, there's like an Julia. alternate reality. There's an alternate yeah. reality where he gets cast as Star Lord instead of Chris Pratt, and then we're not like I heard about that. Yeah, upset about the future adventures of Star Lord. Yeah, but then he would have been stuck doing who knows what. I I don't want to see him going down the prime <laughs> pipeline. But yeah, no, he's a standout. Yeah. That Waterloo line with the vampires. <laughs> vampires. Wow. But I got to give it to my boy over here, too, Jay. Jay, Jay also holds it. It's just a perfect dynamic between the two of them. And then, obviously, also, um, 
Matt as uh, supporting. So overall, big picks for the week. Zach, you 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 and you and directors, <laughs> I need you to sit down <laughs> with this man and Bowser, and then just have a whole intercut ju- just discussion with all of <laughs> the Intercut explains the role of the critics. <laughs> Pretty much. Um, it was funny because he even mentioned at the Chicago thing, he goes, critics are helpful because they let me know what I'm supposed to say in interviews once they break it down. <laughs> so, hey, eventually it might come around. Bowser may be quoting you in the future. with the. He actually did yeah. quote you with the Nickelodeon line. So, hey, you exactly. never know. Uh, next up is a movie that was a lot of years in the work and still has one of the people from always sunny but it wasn't really sunny for the reviews on this movie many years in the making for charlie day if i'm not mistaken directorial debut fool's paradise (sighs) look i made it out to the theater to see this one because it's charlie it's fine it's cute. Yeah. He plays an actor who's kind of, he's not even an actor. He's a guy who is found in a ward and he just so happens to look a lot like this actor who doesn't want to do his roles anymore. So they bring him in and while the other guy disappears, he's almost able to, what do they say? Avril Lavigne and become this uh, <laughs> double for this person and live this life. Charlie Day is playing a version of um, Charlie Chaplin, Buster Keaton, whatever, yeah. you, whatever you want to call it. Um, because he's completely to a degree. mute for the film. He, yeah, yeah. He, he's just responding and doing silent physical comedy, which, you know. And it's the, cute. Uh, it's not bad. Yeah, he's a lot but better at doing worth... like a Chaplin-esque thing than I, I thought he would yeah. be, at least. I think it's also a movie where when you have a cast that's this stacked, every mm-hmm. single per like I could not catch up with them in the trailer when I saw it. Then you're watching the movie, and every single person who appears, there's even somebody here who I, I and see they mention him at the end. Uh, uh, just put a, a comedian who has a special appearance. I, they just say his name. I didn't catch this l- comedian's appearance either. But uh, Guillermo helped him in directing this movie in terms of giving him advice. So like he has mm-hmm. all the help in the world. Tuana's next one made me make something that hits a little bit better. To me, this is a film that is funny for uh, his slapstick type of humor that he's able to uh, portray in the movie. But it's not worth going out in the theaters for. I'm almost weary even giving it a rent it. Um, But if this was streaming somewhere, I think it's worth the time. Yeah, definitely more of like a, a stream it, particularly if you are a fan of Charlie Day, because he, as you said, like really is so, so much fun in doing some of this stuff. Like I thought that he like if they could just sort of carry the film on his physical performance on him, like doing weird uh, body, like repeating people's body gestures and not knowing what situations he's getting into, that would have been fun. But it ends up being uh this movie that's like a revolving door for all those famous people that you talked about like all these people who uh Charlie Day can call in for a favor because they did a couple of movies together or something like that and and like they're not phoning I, it in either yeah like they're giving right? performances they i think those cameos are like a varying quality some of them are really going like the John Malkovich bit i actually found to be kind of hilarious i don't know what it was doing in this movie but like it, at a certain point Babylon the movie F. turn at a certain point, the movie turns from being uh, Charlie Day being this sort of like impish Charlie, Charlie Chaplin-esque performer into a bunch of people sort of imposing an idea and yelling at him while he just sort of sits there and reacts. And it's that's not it, – it loses steam pretty quickly, which is such a shame because yeah. I, I really was rooting for this one. And there's there's fun stuff in it. Like, I feel like there's lots of tiny little bits that are hysterical, but the jokes that they actually build entire scenes around are just not very good. Yeah. For 90 minutes, again, uh, I don't know if you'd recommend people go out to it, but Fool's Paradise. More of a stream it. It'll be streaming at some point. Yeah. Uh, Another one. I did not get to catch this one because I decided to go see Fool's Paradise. And they were playing, for whatever reason, Fool's Paradise in one theater and then Hypnotic in another theater. A lot of people hit me up saying this one needs an LME. I hear it's still a work in progress like it was a South Park. <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't know about this one. I mean, I would say that of the, the new releases that I hadn't seen this weekend, it's probably the one that I enjoyed the most. Um, but it's still, like, not all the way there. Uh, Hypnotic is this film starring Ben Affleck as a detective who becomes involved in uh, this mystery about his about his daughter who gets uh, who goes missing and these idea of these hypnotics these people who are able to al- almost like instantly put 
many people under a hypnosis spell and have them do things outside of their own character and like turn into, you know, crazed uh, assailants or whatever that won't, won't stop until they kill you or get killed. You know, it's the, it's like a, a crime thriller with these flashes of, of sci-fi elements, but ultimately like a lot of it ends up just sort of feeling like the dumber cousin of inception or something like that. I, I think there's cool sequences, but a lot of extremely, extremely stupid moments and stupid twists to the story, characters doing things that just are, are completely brain dead and don't make rational sense. I think there's some, like, funny aspects to it and some cool, like, filmmaking as a form of hypnosis uh, sort of, like, um, commentary going on, but... The whole thing is way, way over-explained, and then the, it ends in this climax, which is absurd, like completely ridiculous and makes the whole thing kind of a joke. I enjoyed it. It's totally not boring. I just don't think it works very well. Huh? Well, I, I heard a lot of people, <clears throat> they they want me to make an LME on it, so I'm going to have to make it out there because his wife I had one. Yeah. I mean, I was going to say, I, I do think this is like, good LME because I feel like your videos tend to hit when there's there are these like kind of ambitious failures when there's like interesting stuff in there but the movie doesn't quite work (laughs) yeah yeah I like I like when you do an LME on movies like that so this is totally in that bag uh and we did get a guy guys this is Robert (laughs) yeah I mean what are they doing I know, and we got a live stream comment from uh, Josh asking if Ben was actually good or did it seem like he phoned in. I thought he was good. Like, it's giving kind of like a hard-boiled detective voice. He adds a little gravel and gruff to his delivery. I think it okay, feels sort of like... Okay, because I thought he was terrible like, in the trailer. <laughs> I mean, I, I like Ben Affleck as a performer, and I think what he's doing is I kind of an like homage ben. to... It's kind of like a Clint Eastwood type of figure. But I don't know. It's not... Oh, the, I, I think the... I think it would work better in a better movie. Okay. Uh, yeah. So then it's, it's Robert to blame. Robert, go make the Alita 2 sequel because as of now, you did not <laughs> hypnotize people with this one. Um, you know, that's he really said he wrote for... the script in like 2002 and in a lot of oh, ways it feels a... like it. <laughs> there is like two minutes. In <laughs> <laughs> 2002 minutes. Uh, well, Hypnotic, Fool's Paradise out in theaters, but a recommendation definitely still has to go to BlackBerry if you need to leave the house. If not, uh, we had sure. covered it in our Guardians wrap-up uh, or our um, Marvel MCU breakdown bracket, and I still think Guardians is worth going to go catch in theaters while it's still in its last week of um, IMAX. I, I don't know if you ended up performing the Dolby or the IMAX, but uh, I thought the IMAX was pretty cool. I liked that the whole thing's in yeah. one nine, so that you still got that to go watch before Fast X comes in and takes it. Uh, you have your screening for Fast X this week? I got it tonight, man. I got I to gotta go after this. <laughs> I got mine tonight as well. And they're yeah. not even putting us in the Dolby. Oh. This ugh. is the 10th Fast and Furious, and you can't find time for the Dolby. Our Little Mermaid one's going to be in the Dolby. The Little Mermaid <laughs> one, I don't know if your invite said it. They said bring everybody. They said bring all your sea friends, anyone that you want, plus three for that one. Here, we had to apply I've never heard of a plus three. Insane, right? Like, yeah. I have a lot of cousins, but, like, not that many. Uh, they seem to have no face for Fast X, and, you know, we're not going to spoil it here. We will have more Fast X talks later, but you know a movie's in trouble when they're dropping that many spoilers. Yikes. And, and plans for what the finale on finale is going to be, but moving yeah. on to the streaming side of things. You got a thought sucks. on that? Cause I know- just, just good. Just that. <laughs> like, why? Why? Why to tweet? Why to tweet? I I don't get it. it. It's to just keep it brief here for those who know without like fully spoiling it. I think yeah. it's a part of it. It has to be like they're in. You and I know this. They work with the studios, these big outlets. I think yeah. it's a part of the release. We see these trailers. If you think of other DC trailers, they do tell you a lot of these spoilers ahead of time to get you into. Yeah. Seats. So I think it's there on purpose. And uh, I saw you uh, double tweet. Uh, from the last one, <laughs> and I feel bad for him. I feel yeah. really bad for him. We'll leave it there. But am I wrong, dude? Poor guy. It feels bad. <laughs> I wouldn't know about that. All right, streaming. We actually bad. have we have a really great pick over here. Something a little bit more hopeful in in the craziest yeah. way possible. But at South by, we were able to actually see the man in person, Michael J. Fox. Uh, he had a movie called Still, a Michael J. Fox movie, which we both thought. 
<laughs> had some of the best editing of a movie period this year, mm-hmm. much less a documentary. I think you had said yeah. it uh, like it's just so pieced together perfectly. It's like he time traveled back. He went back to the future to make sure that these things work together. It's on it Apple. It really Big is pretty remarkable. Yeah. I mean, we, we talk about this be, uh, a lot, particularly when we go to film festivals where there are like lots of documentaries there. Right. But we tend to try to avoid the documentaries that are like a profile of a person because they tend they're, they're often very repetitive. They're not very introspective. And the filmmaking is not very exciting. This yeah. this movie is none of those bad qualities. It is the the best version of all those things. It is a very like personal, uh, intimate portrayal of what Michael J. Fox's life was was like and is like now. It's also a very uh, smartly put together film because as you mentioned, it's using clips from his career to put into context the way he was feeling in different points of time. And like just the ability to pull lines from different sitcoms, different movies, different uh, talk show appearances, and then like put like interpolate them as like a diary of Michael J. Fox, incredible, incredible stuff. Like this is just a, this went so far and beyond what my expectations were. It's the movie that I kind of hoped uh, we would get about Michael J. Fox, a person who I have a lot of fondness for. And, and like, I don't know. It turned, I was, I felt very emotional watching it. It was weird to be in the lines in, in Sundance watching it on my phone and, and like getting a little bit well, uh, teary eyed, but like yeah. it's effective. And it, it's a, I think it's one of the best documentaries I've seen this year too. Uh, you had mentioned, I'm always wary on those biopics as well, or the, the bio docs, I guess, where they're really a central part of it. Uh, and I think his approach here where they had said they talked to him and he pretty much was just hopeful the entire time. And then they asked him about, like, what it actually feels to have the condition. And he's like, oh, I've been in a bunch of pain the entire time we've been doing interviews. And he's like, what? Yeah. And he's like, we didn't want to make this a sob doc, but it's like this man and, and the perseverance that he has. Boy, you got it as a three and a half. If this made you cry, you got to bump that up, man. I want to see this in your <laughs> end of the year list, bro. You being I mean, mean yeah. to these docs. This one delivered, I gotta, man. I got to watch it not on my phone yeah. while I'm cold so and So that's what I thought. So. Seeing it again in Apple, it's like, was I just, like, comparing it to all the other standard uh, puff pieces from other people? And I'm like, oh, this was yeah. just so different. No, it's it's really great. 90 minutes. Yeah. I, that's, that's really great editing there. So still a Michael yeah. J. Fox movie is a film that it's been at Doc 10. It's been at Hot Docs. This movie's going to make it to the Oscars. That's that's one of my picks that I hope yeah. makes it to the, to the final five. Plugging it in. I, our- I hadn't. I hadn't actually thought about that, but, you know, I, I think there's a good shot. It, it's considered for sure. There, there's always that early release that still makes yeah. it towards the end of the year. And uh, I hope it's this one. Yeah. Another movie that came out. No, we're not. Uh, look, my mom saw this and she was recalling scenes in this movie that I had already threw into the trash and deleted from my brain. The Mother has to be one of the most forgettable movies that I think uh, Jennifer Lopez has made. And you know that I'm usually a, a little bit of a defender. I'm not going up. Uh, yeah. I'm not like defending Jenny on the block. I ain't got that jersey on all the time. <laughs> but I like to give her the benefit of the doubt. I have never seen a more blatant attempt to try out for the MCU than this mm. movie. It was just a bunch of stunts that she was trying to showcase that she could be an action star. I didn't really care for it too much. Uh, it's out on Netflix. It'll be disappearing off the top ten easily before next before Father's Day for sure. Yeah, I mean it, it's just so melodramatic. Like it's not enough that she is, you know, an agent secretly in, in a relation uh, relationship. Uh, sorry, an agent secretly working to hunt down two different killers, but she's also in a relationship with them, and she has a baby, and you don't know who the father. Like it's so hammy and, and like just silly, right? Like it just feels like a combination of two genres that maybe shouldn't combine and maybe a a better script could have handled it, but it's so like, I just don't buy any of it. Uh, there, there's a real lack of like authenticity to how it's written, to how it's performed. It's got that Liam Neeson jumps over a fence style of editing where it's like cut, 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 cut. So you don't see anybody do like a full action. You see them like start to pick their leg up and then like their leg is already over. I, 
yeah, I don't know. Like it's like you said, she's doing her best to like fill out that uh that genre quota. I think she's also kind of going streamer to streamer and trying to um get to the top on everyone. You know, she had Marry Me for Peacock last year. She had Shotgun Wedding on Amazon earlier this year, which is getting a sequel. Now she's got the mother on on Netflix. She's just trying to be the queen of streaming. What is Edie Falco doing, bro? <laughs> I, I can't believe that Fool's Paradise was the better Edie Falco movie I saw this weekend. She continues to appear in so many different places. Like, I thought Avatar was the biggest one. And and yeah. then she does something in Bubkiss. I made a set up more. Then she's appearing <laughs> in Mother's Fool's Paradise. Like, hey, good for her getting work. Um, yeah. I just want to... I, I want to see her as a lead. That, that's the thing. I, it, it's not so much that it's like, oh, wow, she keeps appearing in places. It's like, nah, you deserve to have bigger roles than these little yeah. side things. And Bubkiss, where she gets... Uh, Something right in the first opening act. Nurse Jackie for years and people overlooked it. Ah, so shout out Edie Falco though. We we love yeah. Edie Falco. Um, yeah. The next one that we have is a couple of other fest picks that were out with Set of the Bone Woman. I'm not sure if you've caught this one yet. No, but uh, you keep recommending it now that it's on Shutter. I'm I'm looking forward to digging into it. Big pick from Shutter. Got to hear a couple of uh, interviews from the director, so I'm curious to kind of like maybe even make an LME picking apart a lot of the imagery in here because like once you've seen the movie, rewatching it, you kind of already have all the lore to look out for. Um, uh, like I said, I had mentioned that at Chicago, and it also won a big award at Tribeca uh, last year. So looking forward to not just uh, rewatching this, but seeing what the actress and the director also have in store for the future. Uh, the Five Devils was also out on Mubi. I don't know if you heard about this one over here, but it's been they they messaged me, like like they mailed me, not emailed. They sent me a letter. Movie, hmm. like, I don't even know how they had my, I guess, my billing address. They sent me a postcard. They've never sent me this to go watch The Five Devils. I should have brought it with me. I don't even know where I have it. It was a scratch and sniff. And they had my dumb self scratching and sniffing cardboard. There was nothing there. It has to do with the movie, uh, so I won't spoil it. But The Five Devils is the newest one. It stars Adele. I, I can't fully say her name, but I... I think she's been killing it in all of these little side roles that she's been in, especially in the comedies. She needs to be in more movies, man. Uh, this is a story about her aunt coming back from prison and how it just kind of shakes up everything in their family, specifically because of the past. Uh, and it's streaming over on movie. Kind of had a little theatrical release. Uh, this would have been a perfect one if it was playing at the music box. It might have been playing um, to, to see it with like a night crowd. Would have been great. The Five Devils over on movie. Yeah, heard some good things about this one too, so I definitely want to check that out as well. You a fan of Hannah Gadsby? You know, um, Nanette was definitely like that. That was the the first one that really went viral, I, I think. Right? Um, yeah, and I and consider then Douglas that a special. Was the last one. Yeah, I see exactly. That as a special, not a that, comedy that was, stand up. Right, like it. It was a pretty like. Interesting sort of subversion of what stand-up comedy is typically like, right? And and you making that delineation is worth noting because, like, it sort of takes the form of, of stand-up, but it's far more one-person show, you know? Like, not – the focus at a certain point really does not become the comedy. And that's kind of yeah. what was remarkable about it. And that's it. fine. And, yeah. And then their next special, Douglas – is a lot more focused on the comedy. And I, I just felt like there was sort of like a missing c center to it. Comedy. It did, yeah. <laughs> like it yeah. did when it, when it's a little more focused on a comedy, there's just kind of less of a purpose there. So what I, I, I don't know. I'm, I was not, I, I was thinking about checking out something special and I just, I couldn't motivate myself to curious what you think now that with her, our third Hannah Gadsby Netflix uh, special. I think they're a really good storyteller, and that's why I think yeah. Nanette stood out. But it's crazy to think that what Nanette and who that reached out to, all those people have turned their back on, on Hannah, and at this mm -hmm. point don't even like Nanette, and I think that's like a very indicative thing for a stand-up artist to know, that what, whoever you're going to gear your stand-up or story or special to... There is no loyalty in the game. They will flip on you in a dime. People who thought mm -hmm. the previous one was great all of a sudden don't think it is because of the new one. The new one is is not that good in my opinion. There are mm -hmm. points when a comedian pitches something and they don't get a laugh. And they're like, oh, it's still a work in progress. This ain't live. 
cut that. Right. <laughs> Try yeah. it again in another place. Do it on the second show and see if that one comes in. Insert it. Wear the same thing. Uh, yeah. When it comes to stand-up, I'm very particular in, in a, a person with a mic and that's it. Right. I love Bo Burnham. I love uh, – what's the one with three mics from the, the dude from uh, Neil Dave Brennan. I'm cool with all those things. I'm not a purist in that sense. But I do think there is a difference between the two. And when you go back to, you know, I'm not calling it a gimmick, but when you use take away from the storytelling and having that death where it's more of an emotional uh, talk and you go back to the stand up, you realize that a lot of the things you said in that emotional talk and stereotypes and standards, when you come back and then start making those the punchlines for your jokes, people are going to turn on you. So uh, that was a little upsetting to see. But hey, sometimes it takes one of these to bounce back and maybe have a better special in the future when you got a good deal with Netflix. Think you're pretty comfy anyway, but Hannah Gatsby, something special, isn't that special? But I still think Nanette is worth checking out for uh, what it was in the special place. Uh, but I do agree with you; it's more of a uh, would you call it a one-person show? Yeah, one-person show. It's easily more show. that. Uh, moving on to television, we hyped it up, and it is the best thing out on television right now. Uh, that is a comedy on Peacock. Uh, Bupkis has released on a weekly Falco. basis. <laughs> And the best thing with Edie Falco, yeah, for sure. Um, it is Pete Davidson playing Pete Davidson. Simply put. Yeah. I have loved they're, the cameos they're... that people have been sharing. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't think it's appropriate to share a lot of the other jokes that they have in there. But dude freaking Joe Pesci is back. When he came back for mm-hmm. The Irishman, that was one thing. But he was playing a subdued dude in The Irishman. To come back here and be that Joe Pesci who can just stare at you. And if you do something wrong, you know he's going to wring your neck like Homer Simpson. That is the Joe Pesci I've been missing. Ah. Mm-hmm. And who would have thought that it would have been this guy to bring him back? I mean, it's also like the right sort of balance because since he's playing Pete's grandfather here, there is that like tough ass edge that Joe Pesci always carries. But there's that love too, that familial love that you're able you're able to see, and that's I think gets at the heart of what makes Pesci special is that he he can tell you off and make you feel terrible. But also when he does show you warmth, you feel like nobody sees you more clearly than Joe Pesci. Um, so he's excellent in it. I was also really glad, glad to see Brad Garrett get a lot of run as like an uncle on the, the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, I've always thought Brad Garrett's pretty hilarious. He, uh, he gets, he's hilarious here. Just the, all the famous faces that show up are really well deployed. I, I feel like um, yeah. beyond just, like the, you know, uh, various cameos that I don't think we want to spoil, uh, but also Pete playing, you know, Pete not playing like a guy who's named something, but we all know it's Pete. He's literally named Pete Davidson. He's literally the celebrity. Um, his mom says, I'm the queen of Staten Island. Island. It, it, that was raw. <laughs> that was kind of raw. <laughs> and I, I think it's co- kind of interesting to see him drop the pretense and just sort of be natural because even on SNL, that would always be like the place where he was funniest is when he wasn't doing a character when he was kind of just doing Pete Davidson. He's got a a charming persona and like an interesting perspective. Um, You know, I I think it's interesting that there is sort of like a bit of a dramatic undertone to some of the show. I think I like it most when it does, when it, when it stays kind of silly. Although like, you know, the, the sweetness is, is, nice like it feels appropriate but it's the silliness that really makes the show work best for me i agree but i i like that he's almost venting especially when he's got certain people he comes in and you know they're re-enacting a talk that they had i, yeah. I like seeing that almost in like, particular yeah it's fantastic so uh i would highly recommend this one I, I think it's hilarious went through the whole season and i hope to do a season two uh moving on to this next one look what happened? What happened? This is a show that was so good. We almost put it in two, two best of the year list because of the way it was split. And now I don't even think it's going to make the mid-year one. Yellow Jacket season two has been the biggest plummet since that plane fell in season one, man. You saw the new episode. I've been hearing some things about it because it, I don't know why, but that's where people have finally come out and said, what has happened to Yellow Jackets? Yeah, I mean, I think it's been a couple episodes now where it's Agreed. really felt like they've they've lost the plot a bit. Um, it, it 
it's doing the sort of spinning their plates thing worse than Lost ever did, which is weird because Lost you know, was filling 22 episode seasons out and did that through a writer's strike. Like I joked on Twitter that it feels like the Yellow Jackets writers went on strike early because sure. it, it, it does feel like that that second season of Heroes, second season of Lost vibes when, when is people it a, were... Is it a syndrome? Is that just it? Growing pains? <sighs> maybe, maybe they like are... You know, they didn't realize what the end game is and, and are figuring it out and readjusting because, like, oh. now they're sort of expanding in weird ways. And I, I don't know. I just think that the show has sort of lost what was interesting about its first season and, and devolved into, like, weird tangents and, you know, a, a, like a cat and mouse with the police almost. Like, I don't, I don't know. Um, I <laughs> Elijah Wood has I been wa- pointless. I don't get it. I, yeah, I don't get the Elijah Wood thing. I was so excited for it, too. And particularly, like, I actually think it on the most recent episode, they, there's a whole other Elijah Wood thing that I don't even want to spoil. No. But it, I think they just sort of, they're taking big swings, and those swings are big misses. I don't know, man. Uh, I'm not sure I've, I've given up on the show yet, but it's certainly not one that I'm, like, waiting for Friday to drop so I can get the new one. To me, I feel like the first one was so good and seeing the marketing. I mean, we went to South by and they had us eating not flesh. They had us playing a bunch of different hackets and stuff. There's money there, which makes me think, okay, the money's making them do something. Whatever their end goal is, if it was four seasons worth, they're trying to push it to five or six. And so they needed to stretch it out on two. And that's what it feels like. Season one was way too tight for season two to be like this. It feels like they told them, don't get to the plot that quick. So I don't yes. think they've lost it. I just think they're stretching it out. And I hate yeah. that. Well, the, it, it's take seven on the seventh episode. A lot of the main cast has sort of converged in one place. And it kind of feels like the entire s- season up to that point has been figuring out how to get them all in one place together. And, and it's when you do that, when you spend so much time just waiting to get to the thing that viewers actually want to see like what's the point of watching like that that's i think our best show our favorite shows show you know are shows that will just rip off that band-aid they'll just like go to the next plot line you know and and yellow jackets is the opposite of that it is really taking its time yeah well hopefully they're able to bounce back maybe it's just a season two thing and season three will be better but by the time they get to season three, paramount may not even be around because they are struggling uh and so is ted I had said once that Jason Sudeikis has never played a nice guy, that him overly playing a nice guy here I thought was a little fishy. All behind-the-scenes drama with his personal life to the side, he comes out this past week going, yeah, it's been a little weird because he was never supposed to be that nice until the president won, and then we completely shifted gears with what the character was. So, B-Boy, did that answer a lot for why people are now tired with season three. I think if you made a series where the first two seasons were geared towards being a response to a period in time, that period in time is over. Mm -hmm. What happened? This is just like the what happened to TV episode. Yeah. Episode. Well, they, you know, in the first season, it was sort of Ted Lasso being this warm center of a cynical world. And, and he, like, you literally, you watch the beginning of that show and it's representative of what the show is supposed to be about, right? Like Ted Lasso sits in this seat in, in a stadium full of like graffiti and worn down chairs. And suddenly his goodness spreads and things get repaired. And, and in the first season that kind of works because he's coming into a team that is down on its luck with a lot of things that aren't going well. And he's kind of repairing it. But you know, the second season had some bumps in the road. It tried to sort of explore the limits of that kind of attitude and and what and sort of like and uh, some explore anger a little bit more. But now in its third season, it's just softened its edges so much that every character on the show is this saccharine, cute little uh, like stereotype of niceness that there's just no conflict and no no tension there. Like every single conflict. Is, is resolved by, you know, somebody being nice to somebody who's mean, and then that mean person being like, well, you ha- you see, it's all about my central trauma. Thank you for helping me through that. It's just, like, not 
not a formula that bears repeating. One of the more recent episodes featured a storyline uh, about Juno Temple's character, Keely, where some nude video she had taken leaked. It like a comment on the fappening, which happened a decade ago already. And it occurred to me that like a better comedy show would try to subvert what happened in reality and like maybe the, the Richmond teams players nudes leak or something like that. But instead like it's her, her nudes getting leaked. She sits down with Rebecca to have a conversation about how it's all okay. And then there's a conversation in the locker room where the team shares like, Oh, it's not cool to share something. It's all teaching moralistic lessons. It's not even about jokes anymore. And worse off than all that, it's now an hour long instead of half an hour long. I'd argue all that moralistic stuff was there in the first two seasons, but nobody wanted to see it. Rewatch the whole series. It's been there the whole time, but the jokes were it's, at least no, no, no. better. That's what I'm saying. It, it's been there the whole time, but it's all that's there Now in it's just an after-school special. Brought it's to you by just Apple. an after-school special with no good jokes. We need more, as it says right there. Banter. Yeah. Moving on. I did not get to see this next one, but I'm still reeling from the last one. Barry episode six I heard should not have been seen after succession episode eight because <laughs> succession episode eight which we'll talk about after this reeled it up how was Barry because yeah. you're what to do are they completing 10 or are they gonna cut them off at eight they're, they're cutting only them doing off at eight. eight they're only doing eight so we got two more after this week's episode uh where some things are coming to a head did it right when all the finales <laughs> to all the best shows are coming out <sighs> how is I it because the the decision they made with uh, episode five stunned me, mm-hmm. and I I throughout the entire week I was like that's so ballsy. And I just I wish people did it a little earlier. I guess dragons did it the earliest, right? Um, right. But I thought it was I li- I liked it a lot. So yeah, you know, I think Barry. Uh risks being too much about repeating the same things in this season, right? Because it's it's really devolved into just kind of like a, a bit of cat and a mouse and a bit of like, well, who's going to get to the other person first? And you need kind of strong, dramatic choices like that to to revitalize the show and make it feel a little bit different, make it about something different. So episode five in particular, I thought was really a really brilliant change of pace um, Sally's whole journey in that episode so tragic like just She's in a show best. full of sad things one of the saddest things to see is, is her like still continuing acting even even in those uh, like non-acting scenarios if that makes any sense that, that shot where she takes a swig of vodka do you know what I'm talking mm. about? yes yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah she's in a pocket with that one uh, I think it's episode 6 brings things together in a way that I was not expecting and it leaves leaves things off like in a really dramatic spot and I'm just like tense like I I um I think season 3's finale was the most tense I've been for an episode of TV and I don't know how long but what's coming next might rival that I I'm I'm very excited to see it it's cool to see how just excellent of a director Bill Hader is. I feel like the tone in Barry is so masterful, the way that it's able to be dark and be unsettling and then just, you know, hit you with this bit of absurdist humor that you weren't expecting. I'm just really enjoying it. Can't wait to see what happens next. Did they send you all eight? Send us seven. So I know what happens next week, but I don't know what happens after. How it all wraps. All right. Yeah. You Would you say seven's been the best so far for what it leads to? I mean, seven's really, really good. Um, I it's it. All all I'll say is that like it sets up things for an extremely interesting finale. Um, and I'm I just have faith in them at this point because I didn't know how they would continue past season three. It felt like that had to be an, a conclusion, but he's found new depths to it, new ways to explore what happens to these narcissistic people when they actually are able to get the things that they want and still aren't content. Um, yeah. Please. All right. We'll, wrapping up with... Keep watching it. Let's talk about it before, before it wraps up. Uh, wrapping up with two other episodes and some movies that are also out this week. Apple TV Plus started premiering City on Fire. Uh, takes place in early 2000s, if I'm not mistaken. Could be confusing it with it's, it's all these things that I happened in I think it's 2003, because it's shortly after yeah. 9-11. 
and you have a, a college girl who has an incident in Central Park, and then it's everything that kind of revolves from there. You kind of have some succession stuff going on where there's a girl who's about to like, or a woman who's about to like take over a company she didn't know about, and all these interweaving things. Uh, I thought the first episode was pretty interesting. We're going to be tuning in for a lot more of it. If you needed kind of a tone for it, the way they're really pushing it is that it comes from the producers of Gossip Girl and the OC. Yeah, and I think it's it. it it comes off a little bit more serious than that, but uh, it's definitely in that tone, in that realm. Um, and so far, uh, I- I'm going to continue watching it, seeing how it wraps up. Uh, but it's pretty decent over on Apple TV+. Plus. Another one that I'm curious to begin. I haven't started this one yet, but they were really pushing it during the uh, playoffs. FX's yeah. Class of 09 with a cast like that? Yeah. I'm, I'm ready to get into it. I, I think mm-hmm. they may have sent all the screeners already, so we could definitely catch up on those. Um, but it looks like it's going to be a very interesting story that's told within different timelines of these people who joined the FBI. Um, <laughs> it looks pretty solid. I've been waiting for a, a, another really good, decent show from FX because a lot of the stuff we've been getting that's on Hulu, we've been saying feels like freeform. It feels like it feels like uh, the old uh, the Disney family stuff so class of 09 looks pretty decent i don't know if you've caught any of this to speak on but Uh, i haven't yet i i'm intrigued like you because of brian tyree henry and kate mara um but just speaking on fx hey they dropped that trailer for the bear season two so some good stuff i haven't even seen it around the corner i'm excited uh yeah you know when they got one that hits they get one that hits so i'm I'm hoping that they just can collect a couple more uh, also in theaters, Le Imencita, I want to say is how you say it. Alina was able to catch this one over at Sundance. It stars Penelope Cruz, had a little bit of a festival run. It is now out in select theaters. Uh, Monica was one that we had mentioned from Chicago. It is now out on, I want to say limited, if not about to be on VOD, uh, about a woman who has to reconnect with her family uh, after you know, being completely different from her childhood and kind of having a stri- being estranged from her mother. And it's her mother who she's visiting because she's about to pass. At Sundance, we also caught The Starling Girl, a movie that is yeah. now getting uh, its theatrical release that yeah, I thought was pretty good. And I'm looking forward to revisiting it because uh, it was very much a patient movie about a girl who gets enamored by a youth pastor. And because of that, kind of, you know, finds her faith in something other than God. And we've seen several of those movies, Powerline, um, Power, power lines, power trees. Uh, I'm linking on that name. I don't know if you remember. Palm it. trees and power lines. Thank you. That I think is like the epitome of just getting into that awkwardness, uncomfortable yeah. watch of the reality of how things are. This one did kind of feel, and as I learned more about it, yeah, a woman who didn't really know the church, kind of understanding the church, but because of that, you get really close, and I commend her for that. But there are just little things because I know these people. And there's just little things where you're still kind of cosplaying it as much as um, however she went through it. Like it wasn't in a church setting what the director went through. So putting it in a church setting is almost a dressing that I think is bringing a lot lot of people in. Um, But you can tell it's a movie where a woman who's learned 10 years of things has been condensed into what is a two-hour movie. Uh, But I still think it's pretty good, mainly because of the performance from Eliza Scanlon. Uh, If you have not seen her in baby teeth definitely check it out in baby teeth those emotions that they try to grab in this movie this one has it completely uh so this one's also out in limited if you're curious to catch that but other than that zach what are your top five oh sorry before we get into that almost missed the inner cuties inner cuties give a shout out to all of the patrons Yeah, let's shout out the wonderful Patreons supporting us. Uh, Those wonderful people on the Academy level tier are Tushar, Cademan, Connor, May, Ricky, Joe, Janicia, Tyler, and Benji. And our producers, the big thank you goes out to Udenvir, Sam, and Wiley. Thanks again for all the support and a reminder that you too can become an Intercutie member at patreon.com slash intercutpod where you can sign up for patron benefits like early access to intercut episode outlines, early access to some intercut episodes, access to our private channels on the intercut discord, we can, we can all, which you can also join by using the link in the description. And for supporting us on Patreon, you'll also get an invitation to our monthly patron Google meetings where we hang out and talk with all of you. Sometimes we talk about what's going to happen in the future of the show, help us decide what's going to be uh, on our next brackets. And the next one of those is probably coming up soon. Maybe not uh, this up 
maybe not this next week, but the week after that, we got to do our May patron hangout. So not too late to join and uh, talk with us for as little as $1 a month over on patreon.com slash intercut pod. Sounds good. What do you got for the people for the top five things they need to keep their eyes out for? Hey, so we already covered Bupkis, but I would definitely recommend people again? watch Bupkis. Very funny show over on Peacock. Uh, I think I was talking with a friend and I told him that I think it's the best thing Pete Davidson's ever done. And he said, what about big time adolescence? And I feel like I'd put them on the same tier. But interestingly, yes. Bup- Bupkis is directed by... Jason Orley, the guy who wrote and directed Big Time Adolescence. So there they're is equal. a similarity there and a reason why maybe they're on a, a similar tier of quality. So maybe if you like Big, Big Time, Time Adolescence. doesn't have Joe Pesci, though. <laughs> the cast, for sure, better in Bupkis. Uh, although no Griffin Gluck in, uh, in yeah. Bupkis. <laughs> yeah, that one was funny. <laughs> Griffin Gluck no and Pete Pesci, right? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know about that, bit. but shout out Griffin. He's good. Yeah. Uh, the Great is back for season three over on Hulu. I, I fell off of The Great a little bit just because, you know, it feels like it's dense with those hour-long episodes and period settings. But I do really, really enjoy uh, Tommy McNamara's show about Russian royalty and how subversive and funny it is. I think if you are a person that enjoyed The Favorite, another film film that was written by the guy who's in charge of the show, you absolutely should be checking out uh, The Great. Wow. Or if you just like Nicholas Holt and Elle Fanning, I think they're both so funny. Um, in these roles. I don't know if you've been seeing all the press that's been coming out about the roles that they didn't get because they're so committed to this show. Uh, I was but about to mention that, yeah. Yeah, it's robbed us of Elle Fanning in Dune 2 and Nicholas Holt in the latest uh, Mission Impossible movie. But hey, I mean, look, the great they love is, this show. Yeah, they're, they're committed to it and I'm glad they are because it's a really good show. Uh, if they're that committed to it, I should catch up with it too. So uh, I'll be catching up on season three now that's back on Hulu. It is like when they uh, when they mention how uh, Wanda WandaVision she hasn't been able to get all those roles and everyone's like oh no how could that happen? Well, you guys let it happen here, right? No one's watching the great, and they decided to skip on the bigger roles, and no one catches yeah. this. Yeah, the entire run for Renfield, the menu, all he mentions is the great, and the same thing for her. So yeah, uh, over on Hulu is is this the wrap up or are they still going to continue it? I don't think they've announced if it's a wrap up, so uh, okay. we'll see. I also kind of. I don't know a lot of people who watch The Great, so I don't know how long that could last. Did you finish season two? Uh, no, I didn't finish it. I got to catch up. All right, I was enjoying dropped, it. It's just a long show. They dropped all of season three at once, and you know That's, how I feel about that. Yeah. So, The Great out there. What else you got? Uh, I don't know if we've given it a shout out in the picks of the week yet, but The Artifice Girl is available on VOD. Uh, I just want to give it another shout out. I think it's a really good movie. I've been seeing a lot of people uh, catching up with it because I feel like it's one of those like indie films that not a lot of people have on their radar. But I, I think it's really worthwhile, especially like we we're talking more and more about AI, you know, with the writer's strike going on and uh, the pending strikes for a lot of the other unions. AI is just like really, really in the uh, in the atmosphere. So this is like one of the films that's really contended with that in the most interesting ways I've seen so far. So I, I definitely recommend people catch up with it. I'm good. Uh, another quick recommendation to something that I think you got to finally catch uh, over at the Chicago Fest, Chicago Critics Fest. Uh, let's yes. talk a little about Did you link Sanctuary. I, I didn't put it in the document because um, I just re- remembered to add it now uh, after I saw you had another one of my picks. Um here. Yeah, the problem is there's like two of them on IMDb. Yeah, Another Sanctuary just one. came out on uh, Netflix, but it is not yeah. the series. It is the drama thriller starring two very good-looking people with a great set of hair. This yeah. movie has some of the best hair shots of the year. <laughs> uh, a two-hander. I think it's fair to call that one. Uh, with between... That's how they opened it for us at Chicago. <laughs> uh, Margot uh, Margo Qualley and uh, Sh- Christopher Abbott uh, in which it's just kind of like a really interesting kind of erotic thriller romantic comedy of sorts about uh, a wealthy client and a dominatrix who go back and forth over like the future of their relationship considering his recent promotion and I don't know I just think the 
the it's a really great sort of debate film in which these two argue positions of power back and forward with this undercurrent of like sexual tension and domination it's it's a it's a sexy movie it's a funny movie it's unexpected and it's it's pretty brief too on hour 36 minutes i felt like it was ending just as i was like really getting started with it but yeah i i think which it's a really fun a time i think it's yeah I, I could go deeper and I feel like it could go could have gone deeper too. I don't know, like I didn't like like it as much as Amanda did coming out of Toronto, but I think it's a really fun time at the movies. And considering the slate that we got last weekend and Fast X being the only big release this upcoming weekend, they could do a lot worse than seeing Sanctuary in theaters. For sure. Uh I don't know if you ever caught piercing, but it felt I wanted it to be even better than that movie where he is also in a room kind of going all over the place with another person. Uh that one being Mia Wasikowski sequel to piercing in my opinion i wanted to like it just a little bit more but i think they do have really good back and forth in sanctuary um mm-hmm. and some again just some really good cinematography yeah a lot of good shots in that one uh my last pick for the week here uh one of the funniest shows on tv one of the things yes like, most consistent sources of is. joy the other two is returning for its third season on hbo max soon to be max a uh, really hilarious show about a pair of uh, people, young people in the, or I guess they're now in their 30s, <laughs> in the entertainment industry. <laughs> hey, we're young too. Uh, a pair of people in their 30s in the entertainment industry, uh, but sort of dwarfed by the success of their own family. In the first season, it was their younger brother's ascent into super popdom. And since then, it's been their mother uh, becoming first a syndicated daytime talk show host and now in the most recent season just a mega corporate billionaire (laughs) she's basically Oprah now yeah um and just like a very consistently hilarious send up not just of like what the entertainment industry is but also the desperation that perforates that that industry and all the the people who are trying so hard to get their little slice of of dopamine whether that comes from like a big role or or having adoring fans or just like posting to social media too much i think it's so so perceptive about people particularly people in like the age of social media and in the age of like bragging about your accomplishments to strangers uh it's also just got some very very funny cameos and appearances i i let you know that our boy lucas gage has a hysterical episode later in this season um, I don't know if you had a chance to catch any of the third season on the screeners, but like, I think that show is still just hysterical. Like I, I, it, it makes me laugh harder than most shows do right now. Uh, I was able to see the first three and, uh, they still have the same energy from one and two, but they've somehow found this way to be, they've always been, but even more self-reflective about not just mm-hmm. the industry, but the guilt that you also have, not just what the industry does to you, but what it turns you into and how you become a part of it. So, uh, yeah. no, I, I agree. Is that what you posted your SAT score? <laughs> no, I, I just wanted to fresh up my bio. Oh, well, I was like, I thought it was a quote from a movie. And I'm like, okay, this is from the other two. And I'm like, <laughs> uh, I, I highly recommend this one. These two have killed it. And I found out, uh, I, I'm, I always blink on his name. He was supposed to be in the original How I Met Your Dad. Oh, with Greta Gerwig uh, yeah, as Drew the Tarver. Mosby character. Oh, And really? that pilot never aired. No, yeah, I wouldn't, because I started listening to some interviews from them, and I was like, what the heck? Damn. I searched it up. You can find the pilot online. Greta Gerwig was going to be in a sitcom. Different timelines. I didn't timeline, find it online. I got to watch it. Yeah. Can you imagine um, if that was her career? She was still stuck on, like, season 10 of How I Met Your Dad? When I was watching the, the, the clips from it, I refuse to acknowledge it was Greta Gerwig. I was like, why does she look so familiar? It did not make sense to see Greta Gerwig, director of Little Woman, being a, a pilot for that. But it got canceled. It got scrapped. But a lot of actors there who would have... Uh, 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 Andrew Santoro, I think, was also in there. A lot of people would have been mm. uh, picked up early. But Damn. that show would have been what these two make fun of in the other two. So thank goodness. Exactly. Uh, some picks that I have that we've mentioned for festivals that finally have a streaming release so people will be able to see them. St. Omer, the very, very patient drama, court drama that we got at New York Film Festival. We were both tired as could be, and somehow it still kept us just gripped to the screen, uh, especially for me. It's the story of 
uh, a woman who is accused of murdering her child and a woman who may or may not be pregnant, who's observing the case that has become like the talk of the nation. It's inspired by a real life case where the director actually sat down, uh, Alice Diop, who is a documentarian. And I just thought that the way that she is able to make a narrative feature almost feel like a documentary and mix both elements at the same time. Very patient camera work, but some of the best, mm. in my opinion, and stand-up performances. There is a look between two people in this movie, shivers down my spine. Uh, so say yeah. no more is on Hulu. If you couldn't catch it in theaters, it's two hours. So I think in the comfort of your own home, it's worth the shot. This is like the weirdest compliment to give it. But I feel like just that shot, that look that you mentioned, that like should be in like a montage of the great movies. Like it, it, it's, it's that yeah. kind of moment. A- you know it's a lot for me to say, but it's a whiplash look at each other. Yeah. Just like that in the yeah. end of that movie. And that's one that's made it, so I agree with you 100%. Say no more on Hulu. Uh, I'm not sure if you've got this one yet. I'm curious your thoughts on it. When you see it, I think it's a fun, decent, heartfelt movie. Yeah. The year in between, uh, directed, written, and starring Alex Heller. We got to see this one at Tribeca last year virtually. Then got to see it in person at Chicago Fest. Alex Heller herself has gone through a lot of therapy uh, because of her... Uh, bipolar condition, and she wanted to make a movie where she just, you know, wasn't going to sugarcoat it, was going to make it exactly uh, based on her experience. In particular, the year in between that she takes off of college, her parents, I mean, Jay Smith Cameron, you got some, you got a great mother there, and I think she's a standout Jerry. in terms of her counterpart. Steve Buscemi coming in with the favor over here. And then even just the kids, uh, Wyatt, again, being mentioned uh, another time here, he was also in the uh, Apple series we were talking about. Oh. As a great supporting role of this family dynamic who kind of has to not just she's not the only one putting her life on pause. She almost puts her whole family's life on pause. And I think the comedy in here is right up my alley. It's uh, sometimes very deprecating, sometimes very dark, but just goofy as possible while also dealing with these uh, really big themes. So I'm curious to see uh, other people's thoughts on this as it gets released. But like I said, it is over on Peacock. So hopefully it'll be landing on more people's radar. One that I know was a big stand up for the both of us. And we were waiting for it to be on streaming, and it's on AMC Plus, the worst streaming service that no one has. Is yeah. that axe? But hey, they picked it up. It is an original for them, and it is one of the best movies uh, that we saw out of South by that year. Big standout for both of us. I, I would have had this as an uh, not not even an honorable mention, but a shortlisted for the documentaries last year uh, about a yeah. family and specifically a, one of their kids who leaves the family business of running this restaurant in Minnesota. Goes to become a filmmaker, comes back, and then uses that to document his family during, you know, a little period of time called 2020. Uh, yeah. Fantastic documentary filmmaking, but also uh, just a, a great look at a, as, at a family memoir and what they've had to go through. And an understanding yeah. what the kids are going through now to what they don't understand their families already went through to get them here. There's been, a lot of, there's been a lot of films that have tried to sort of like do some kind of post COVID commentary or try to depict what time, what life was like, uh, in 2020 after COVID broke out. And this is the one to me that I feel like excels the most at just feeling like a, like a time capsule of that entire year of all the ups and downs and various things that American society had to go through in particular in 2020. Uh, and maybe you don't want to relive some of that stuff and that's totally cool. But I, I think this is a very clear-eyed and heartfelt uh, look at one family's experience through all of that. And, uh, yeah, I just I thought it was really, really effective and really well done. Big stand out there. And then the ones that we mentioned earlier. Got to wrap it up with a recommendation for Blackberry that's out in theaters and, and a movie that's just in, that's good, in my opinion. The documentary still a Michael J. Fox movie out on Apple TV+. A slow week, but not a bad week. Obviously, we had the Marvel train coming in with Guardians last week, which caused the slowdown here. But again, just recapping the picks that we have, we still have a solid 10. Still a Michael J. Fox and Apple TV+. Plus. Blackberry. It's so good. Uh, Bad Axe out on AMC+. Plus. The year in between. It's going to be out on Peacock. It's still not mentioned there. And St. Omer out on Hulu. Big thumbs up for all of Zach's picks as well that I agree with, starting with... The other two, back for season three on HBO Max, Sanctuary in limited theaters, my pick for a best theatrical release of the weekend. Uh, or actually, no, Blackberry. Blackberry. You haven't seen Fast X yet. I think I think it's going to be Blackberry. Uh, the Artifice Girl, available on VOD. Uh, another mention of that one. And then um, The Great, another show back for season three, this one on Hulu. And Bupkis. 
in its first season debuting on Peacock. You know, we haven't talked about it too much, but a lot of good stuff from Peacock this year. I was looking at my favorite shows. years ago, there was that report where everyone was belittling Peacock, and I'm like, do y'all not see the plan they have in store? I mean, where were we watching the World Cup? Most people were watching it on Peacock. They just dragged to get the shows on there. But yeah, Poker Face, Bub Kiss, finally. Who would have thought? Universal. So, (laughs) shout out to... Uh, I'm sure most people will be watching Fast X when it gets on Peacock too. Exactly. <laughs> so they got plenty of movies to go there. But that's it for this week in our weekend watch list, going through all of the movies, TVs, entertainment, the good, the bad that come out every week. Uh, Zach, where can people find more from you? Uh, check out more from me on Twitter, Letterboxd, wherever, at Zshevich, Z-S-H-E-V-I-C-H-N. Check out my YouTube or TikTok channels, at Multiplex Show. A reminder that you can listen to every episode of the Intercut Podcast here on iTunes, Anchor, everywhere you need. We are going to be covering spoilers for what was considered the most tense episode by the filmmakers, or showrunners of Succession, right up next. And let me tell you, yeah, it was definitely up there with that. Uh, you can catch every live video that we have here. Shout out to all of the intercuties on the live chat. I wish I could post them all up on there, but shout out LaShawn, who was talking about blind spotting. Haven't seen that one yet, but definitely want to get onto that. Uh, the rumors. Shout out Bruce Wayne talking about, of course, some details. DC news. I would love Nick Hall to be Lex Luthor. That would be a very interesting route to go. Uh, the casting news for the James Gunn stuff is sounding too good to be true. I'm going back to my 15-year-old self, going to the comic book shop, and I'm like, dude, he's making me feel like a kid again. It's it's a lot better than I was expecting it to be. Um, but again, big shout out to all the inacuities who listen live. Big shout out to all the patrons. Thank you for supporting us, allowing us to be able to get a lot of these screeners and just the ability to go to the movies to get you on a weekly basis, all of our recommendations. Uh, to all the iTunes listeners who leave us that five-star, five-star review, we really appreciate it. Don't forget to leave us a comment, drop a like, follow the socials over at Intercut Pod. And until next time, don't forget to leave us a comment and keep watching movies.